0: we made it just in time come on let's go get a seat hey everybody welcome to julia's Truckin' cafe Yeah, everybody have a seat something to drink now just sit back and enjoy the show as always I have lots of news to get to. So this is part two of my two-part series of what is going on with truck drivers lately. I just don't understand it. There is so much news that I have to get to that I had to make this a two-part series. I had this all pre-recorded and I lost it. So now I have to do it all over again. Tick me off. This takes me hours to do this. But anyway enough of that let's get on to the news police released new details remember last episode i told you about a truck driver that stabbed his co-driver uh in indiana on i-70 well now the police are releasing new details about that story a truck driver who was stabbed by his co-driver earlier in indiana has died as a result of his injuries Police have released more information about those events leading up to his death. A 55-year-old Florida-based truck driver, Angel Cruz, passed away as a result of injuries sustained during an August 16th in-cab altercation on eastbound I-70 near Richmond, Indiana with his co-driver. When police arrived on scene in response to calls about a disabled semi-truck on the shoulder, they found Cruz in the cab of the truck suffering from multiple stab wounds to his upper torso and neck. He was taken to the hospital following the attack and he underwent emergency surgery but died days later. Police arrested 47-year-old co-driver Pavel Neri Gonzalez on the scene. When it happened, initially, on charges of suspicion of attempted homicide. Since Cruz passed away from his injuries, police have upgraded the charges against Gonzalez to homicide. Police have also released more information about the circumstances surrounding the brutal attack. Authorities say that Gonzalez and Cruz have been operating as team drivers for a three-month period and were hauling produce from Chino, California to a location in New York when the stabbing occurred. Police also said that when officers arrived on the scene, Gonzalez stepped down out of the truck, handed over a blood-covered knife, and told Officer Shane Brown that I stabbed him, and he surrendered. Following the admission about stabbing his co-driver, there had been no other further explanation about the motive or events leading up to the stabbing. The incident closed down eastbound I-70 for approximately five hours. Gonzalez is being held in the Wayne County Jail without bond. In other news, truckers share their biggest fears coming into the trucking industry. No matter how long you've been driving, you have to admit that there are times when trucking can get pretty scary. Maybe narrow lanes and construction zones make you sweat. Maybe the back row of a truck stop parking lot late at night gives you the creeps. Or maybe your heart drops every single time you hear police sirens. Dozens of truckers recently got together to talk about the things that they dread happening while behind the wheel. And a question was asked, what was your biggest fear coming into trucking? Uh, Will says, for me, it was getting canned, can opened, they call it. Under In other words, going underneath a low bridge and having the roof of your trailer tor- tore off. They're calling it can opened. After I seen a few videos while in CDL school, I was terrified of the possibility. Yeah, it makes you think, don't it? Look at all the bridge signs about being, you know, it, make sure that you're under the height limit. One guy says, being alone, no one to talk to or be with you in your truck and going down a narrow road or on a mountain pass. Another one says, my biggest fear coming into the trucking industry would be the level of complacency towards the respect that I have for the truck and people around me. People learning to follow procedure like getting out of the truck to look while backing or downshifting down a hill or just holding my clutch in and brake while waiting for a stoplight in an uphill grade coming back from your home time. I can't tell you how many times people forget their procedures from coming out of the house. Another one says going down Donner's Pass without brakes. Another one says dying from falling off a mountain. Someone else says being stuck in traffic in the middle of a bridge and it collapses. Another one says can opened or turning over on a cloverleaf exit again can opener can opened being top in your trailer and that's just great while i'm recording this a swift driver is in the parking lot here at the petro and salina and almost takes my hood off brilliant somebody else says coming into trucking i had none once i went out with my first trainer who was backing now that that's covered i'll back you under a table now yeah okay whatever it's rain wind mix. I can deal, but I prefer not to have them both together. Currently, and please don't talk crap, it's snow or ice. There is no talking crap about snow or ice. I don't like either myself. My years over the road, I've watched trucks wreck in front of me, seen pileups because of snow, and I've been on downgrades with, quote, super truckers with or without chains or watching their trucks slowly crash. It's created the fear, so now I just won't go. Somebody else says hills with turns and bumps at the bottom at night. Someone else says, not ever quitting it. Another one says, mind is not making the delivery because the hours run out. Someone else says, having a crowd spectate me having trouble backing in or tipping the rear of the trailer trying to make a cut. Someone else says, honestly, when I started, I was too stupid to really be terrified. My biggest fear was if this didn't work, then I would have to go back to a 9-to-5 job and wouldn't be able to travel for free. Mind you, I had no experience in this world and no one to tell me how intense it would be. So if you want to share in this conversation on what are your deepest, darkest trucking fears, you can leave a comment either on our Facebook page under this episode or on our website in the comment section. And in other news, a truck manufacturer calls our new model a cash machine for truck drivers. Volvo's come out with a new commercial asking truckers to imagine what a life of luxury on the road could be like. The commercial spot is called, quote, the cash machine. Featuring Bob, and is designed to highlight the new Volvo VNL Turbo Compound. Volvo promises that the new truck will offer drivers fuel savings of up to 11 percent, which they say will make drivers feel like a rich man due to the extra cash left over in their pockets. The commercial features a big, a big Lebowski-esque truck driver in an eye gold Volvo enjoying first-class treatment at the diner. Dazzling his fellow drivers with his gold tooth and triumphing at the bowling alley. Woohoo! Yeah, who has time to go bowling? Really? Really, Volvo? Triumphing at the bowling alley? And that doesn't even look like a gold truck. It looks more, I don't know, it looks like a gold brown looking truck to me. But you can watch their commercial at the bottom of this article that'll be in the show notes. Like, really? What all they do for marketing, you know? it A dump truck driver, deed, saves co-workers from a wrong way motorist. A dump truck driver's fast thinking stopped what could have been a deadly wrong way police chase in Indiana on Sunday, August 25th. This happened just about 3 in the morning on I-65 near Indianapolis when Trooper Jonathan Troyer approached what he thought was a disabled car on the shoulder of the interstate in the construction zone near Lafayette Road. After Troyer activated his lights, the car driver turned left. Troyer said that when he yelled at the driver to stop, he put the car in reverse and crashed into a guardrail. Troyer then got out of his cruiser to try to get the car driver to stop, but instead he took off southbound in the northbound lanes. The car driver made his way into lanes closed for construction and was headed toward the work site. That's when dump truck driver William Honey acted to save his co-workers by parking in the path of the wrong way car. The car crashed into the front of the dump truck. No injuries were reported. Honey told a local TV station, quote, I was in the construction zone doing my job, and radio chatter from a co-worker was that there was a police chase in the construction zone, a car going south in the northbound lanes. I placed my truck to create a barricade in hopes to stop the guy, not to get him to hit me. I was trying to protect my co-workers on the ground, end quote. Following the crash, police were able to arrest the car driver, later identified as a 20-year-old Jonathan Hippolato, Hippolotto, and I might be pronouncing his name wrong and I apologize, was issued various charges including operating a vehicle while intoxicated with a prior conviction, marijuana possession, resisting arrest, and driving while suspended. Brilliant! Just brilliant. And bridge lanes are closed on the Chafalaya. Basin Bridge. Louisiana transportation officials say that all lanes of westbound I-10 over the Atchafalaya Basin Bridge will remain closed following a multiple vehicle crash. The crash occurred around 2 p.m. on Monday, August 26th in the westbound lanes of I-10 at mile marker 125 over the Atchafalaya Basin near Baton Rouge. Police believe that there were three separate crashes at the same location that involved one passenger vehicle and five commercial vehicles. Two of the trucks involved in the crash were hauling flammable materials, and several of the vehicles involved in the pileup caught fire. At least one person died. The identity of this person has not been released. Five others were injured and taken to the hospital. Both directions of I-10 were shut down as multiple fire crews worked to contain the blaze. Eastbound I-10 was reopened, but it isn't clear at that time when westbound lanes would reopen because the bridge had to be inspected for structural damage caused by the fire. With a fire that burns that hot, they'll be checking the stability of the bridge to make sure it's not deteriorated in any way before they can open it back up, said Iberville Sheriff Brett Stassi. The cause of the crash remains still under investigation, and there is a video at the bottom of this article. As truck drivers, we all know what it's like to be at a shipper or receivers and have to wait long hours to be loaded or unloaded, am I right? There's only a few of us that are spoiled rotten, names won't be mentioned, that uh, only takes 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get loaded or unloaded, especially waiting at produce coolers or paper mills, you know, am I right? That's why you need to be prepared with extra food in your truck. My Patriot Supply helps you stay prepared. Now it's not what you may be thinking. My Patriot Supply is delicious emergency food. They have food kits that are good up to 25 years. They come in a slimline tote and you can easily store in your food pantry or under your bunk. I can speak from experience after living through Hurricane Katrina and for those people now dealing with devastating Hurricane Dorian. We were without power for 10 days, me, my mother, and I. And if it weren't for the MREs that were flown into us, we wouldn't have had any food. Four 60-foot pine trees broke in half during Hurricane Katrina and landed across my driveway and landlocked me in. I couldn't get out to get food. And there were, then there was four-mile gas lines. Now they're dealing with the same thing in Florida with Dorian and on up Georgia coast in North Carolina and South Carolina coastline. Or just recently, like my brother and sister sister lodges went through, a devastating tornado. They were without power for a week. That's when My Patriot Supply emergency food would have came in handy. If I knew then what I know now about My Patriot Supply, I would have definitely had some of this food stockpiled in my pantry. For a limited time, you could get a one-week supply of food in a handy and neat ammo can for just $39. And they even offer gluten-free food for under $100. All you have to do is go to my website at cafe.com click on the Emergency Food Supply tab, scroll down, click on any of the images, and you could find out more and how to order yours. You buy health insurance, you insure your car, You have life insurance. Now, why not buy food insurance? Stay prepared for the upcoming harsh winter months. And more hurricanes are coming. Stay prepared for anything else that happens with My Patriot Supply. Now, in other news, a tow truck driver's day goes from tedious to terrifying thanks to a semi-truck. Wisconsin police have released dash cam video of a violent collision that occurred when a semi-truck driver lost control and slammed into a tow truck. This happened last week, Monday, August 26th in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office says that a tow truck driver was at a previous crash site on southbound I-94 at the Mitchell Interchange when a semi-truck driver lost control and collided with the tow truck, causing heavy damage to both vehicles. The tow truck driver, semi-truck driver, and semi-truck passenger were all transported to the hospital for treatment of non-life-threatening injuries. The local news station reports that the semi-truck driver was cited for driving too fast for conditions and failure to control the vehicle. That could have been a lot worse. You know, when are we guys going to slow down in the rain? You don't need to be going 100 miles an hour. Slow the fuck down. You're taking... It's not just you out here, people. It's everybody around you. It's not just you in case something happens. You're taking other people's lives in your hands. Stop and think about that. Now in this next story, a 76-year-old driver was killed by a load of shifting steel. They were beams. A Georgia police say that a truck driver lost his life on Tuesday, August 27th, after a load of steel beams crashed through the cab of his truck. This happened around Snellville, Georgia, near interstate, intersection of State Route 10 and US 78, and State Route 124. Police say that 76-year-old driver William Turnage was eastbound on US 78 when he braked, causing the load to shift, and that he lost his life. He was pinned in the cab. Detective Jeffrey Manley with the Snellville Police Department described the track accident as the driver applied the brakes. The load at which he was hauling was unsecured or not secured well enough. The load broke free, and part of the load, which was very heavy beams, uh, came into the cab and pinned the driver. He was pronounced dead at the scene. It's not yet clear why turnage breaks suddenly. Multiple agencies are on the scene. Uh, investigating. The agencies will be examining the road for skid marks and collecting surveillance video from nearby businesses to learn more about the cause of the fatal load shift. Now AK-47 wielding cartel gunmen robbed truckers near the border. This happened about 10 miles south of the U.S. border. Startling new dash cam footage highlights a serious danger for truckers near the U.S.-Mexican border dash cap video has surfaced that shows heavily armed gunmen allegedly working for a gulf cartel stopping truckers along the mexican highway and robbing them of their wallets phones and other personal items before allowing them to continue along the road according to local news the video was captured on the south loop in the city of Reynosa, mexico about 10 miles from the u.s border in the dash clip, you could see cartel members armed with AK-47s or other such similar weapons approach both the dash camera and another trucker, demanding that the drivers hand over their valuables. Nothing was taken from the trailers. For more information on Mexican trucking is impacted by highway robbery. You could click on the link in the, the article that'll be in the show notes. Now, as you all know and you've had heard chatter uh, last week a large trucking company shut down that was located in Denver, Colorado. HVH Transportation shut their doors and abruptly shut off their fuel cars leaving 300 truckers out of work. The Denver, Colorado based HVH Transportation reportedly shut down, leaving more than 300 drivers out of work. The first reported this early Tuesday evening one HVH driver stated that he was notified of the immediate shutdown by a company dispatcher. According to the driver, the company abruptly quote shut off all of their fuel cards effectively leaving drivers stranded on the road. Other drivers have reported that their fuel cards are still working, however. CDL Life was unable to verify similar claims from multiple HVH drivers and office staff who also received notice on Tuesday evening. As of recording this statement, the company has not released an official statement um, and the company's website still remains active. Freightways confirmed that the company's CEO, John Kennelly, has stated that he is trying to help any drivers who are stranded to get back home. It isn't clear exactly how many drivers might be stranded according to now this is dot filings hvh transportation employs roughly 342 drivers with 344 power units in its fleet they were founded in 1956 and provided various transportation services including truckload dedicated and regional there is at least a half a dozen trucking companies that have closed down since i've been doing all this reporting and in subsequent story A dispatcher claims that when the CEO of HVH says that he is helping stranded drivers get home... Uh, not. Dispatcher claims CEO of Shuttered Trucking Company lied about getting drivers home. She writes in an email on Tuesday that the CEO is a liar for claiming that he's working to get drivers home. I reached out to my drivers as a driver manager dispatcher and told them to fill their trucks with fuel That's HVH closed their doors. That fuel cards were going to be shut off. Now they are. Cleaning out my desk and still answering phones. I informed everyone that called what was going on. I was then directed by the operation and maintenance director to stop answering the phones. I did not. They couldn't let me go twice. The fuel cards are shut off. HVH is not Getting drivers home, other companies such as Navajo, Bay and Bay, out of Minnesota, and Direct Transport, out of Commerce City, Colorado, are saving our drivers. The brokers echo C.H. Robinson that still had loads. They are paying fuel and compensating drivers for their last loads. The CEO and the COO are nothing but snakes in the grass. To say that he is helping? Unbelievable. Please, please, please post the truth hvh transportation has not responded to cdl life's request for comment in the wake of the hvh closer closure other truck companies have come forward offering to help stranded drivers hundreds of truck drivers have lost their jobs due to the truck company closure so far in 2019 you know falcon transport lme nemf you know a bunch of them have closed I feel, you know, extremely bad about that. And you don't expect it. When you hire on with them, you really don't expect it. Now another company shuts down less than 24 hours. A Georgia-based trucking company announced that they're closing their doors permanently. And the news comes within hours of a HVH closing. Ellenwood, Georgia-based trucking company, Ready Trucking, will be closed for good as of Friday, August 30th. The news of the closure is confirmed by the company's Google listing. It says permanently, they changed it to permanently closed. They employ 91 drivers and operate 103 power units. The company was founded in 1968 and was a second-generation family-run business. The news of ready trucking shutting down came the same day their reports began the service of the closure of HVH. Uh, so far, seen, mul- like I said, multiple trucking companies closing down. Now, remember I reported on the um, speed limiter law that a couple of senators are trying to pass? Well, well, we might have some good news in that. One of the senators that is pushing the law that don't know his butt from a hole in the ground because he's being, um, let, me, let me say, harangued or uh, pushed into doing this, is, um, by a lot of the safety groups, is retiring. Last week, Georgia Senator, who introduced the controversial commercial vehicle speed limiter legislation earlier this summer, announced his retirement. Senator Johnny Isaacson of Georgia announced last week Wednesday that he planned to retire by the end of the year due to various health problems including Parkinson's disease. Isaacson is perhaps most famous in the trucking community for commercial vehicle speed limiter bill that he introduced this summer. The bill would require all new commercial trucks with a gross weight of 26,001 pounds or more to be equipped with speed limiting devices, which must be set to a maximum speed of 65 miles per hour to be used at all times while in operation. The maximum speed requirement will also be extended to existing trucks that already have the technology installed. Trucks without speed limiters will not be forced to retroactively install the technology, end quote, according to a news release from Isaacson's office. The bill would also require USDOT to establish regulations to ensure that the speed limiter devices are accurate and effective at keeping trucks at the maximum speed limit within six months of the effective date of the bill. While large, several large carriers and trucking groups have pushed for speed limiters for many years, other groups like OOIDA have long argued that speed limiters would decrease highway safety, quote, because the interaction between large trucks and passenger vehicles would increase, end quote. OOIDA has also argued that the 65 mile an hour speed limit would hamper the earnings of small trucking companies who normally operate at 70 miles an hour. Following the introduction of the bill on June 27th, no further action has been taken to move the controversial legislation forward, so we'll keep our ear to the ground about that. Now, two truckers were attacked by a third knife-wielding truck driver on a highway out in California. Like I said, what in the world is going on with truck drivers nowadays? Good Lord! California Highway Patrol is asking for help locating a semi-truck driver who reportedly stabbed two other truck drivers multiple times before speeding away. The attack took place around 7.30 last week Wednesday in Northwestern, Fresno, California. California Highway Patrol states that two truck drivers traveling on Highway 99 pulled off near the southbound Hernan and on ramp to check their loads when a third truck driver also pulled off the highway and parked between the two trucks. An argument ensued and the third truck driver pulled out a knife and began stabbing the other two. An off-duty Fresno County Sheriff's Officer spotted the altercation and pulled over and displaying a firearm to the attacker. The suspect got back into his truck and fled the scene southbound on Highway 99. Both truck drivers were Transported to the hospital for treatment of moderate injuries. CHP is asking for public help locating the suspect truck driver. He's described as a Hispanic man in his 40s with short hair and multiple tattoos on his face, arms, and chest. Police say that he was driving a 2015 or older white Freightliner with a white trailer. If you have any information, you're asked to call Fresno. California Highway Patrol at 559-262-0400. That's 559-262-0400. But that does describe half of the trucks in California. Just saying. And in other news, a man dies after jumping off an overpass and crashing on top of a semi truck. I'm like, good grief. Ah, in, Indiana State Police have reported a disturbing incident that occurred when a man leapt from an I 94 overpass last week, Tuesday, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Laporte County, Indiana. Witnesses told troopers that a 47-year-old Michigan City man driving a pickup truck northbound on County Light Road when he stopped as he drove onto an overpass over I-94. Troopers say that the man got out of his pickup truck and dropped, jumped off the east side of the bridge. The 47-year-old hit the windshield of a 2019 semi-Volvo tractor pulling a refrigerated trailer that was eastbound on I-94. After hitting the windshield, he then bounced off and went through the top of the tractor, coming to rest inside the man's sleeper. The 47-year-old was pronounced dead at the scene by a deputy with a Port County coroner's office. The truck driver, a 38-year-old Ontario, Canada resident, wasn't hurt. I'm like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's bad enough that people have thrown bricks at me and pumpkins, but a body? Oy! I've, I've been through some heck, but I've never been had a body come flying at me before. That would definitely be a first. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to truck after that. I'll tell you honestly. And a man who viciously beat a trucker for only $90 and his phone gets prison sentence again. On August 28th, a Wisconsin man was sentenced for the brutal rest-up assault of a semi-truck driver that happened in 2017. A Dodge County jury sentenced 25-year-old Keenan Brown to eight years in prison after he was found guilty of robbery with use of force and substantial battery earlier this summer. He was found guilty and then there was a sentencing. The charges stem from a September 4, 2017 assault that occurred at a rest area off of I-41 near Lomira. Police were summoned to the rest area after a 55-year-old truck driver reported that he had been assaulted by two male suspects, Brown and another man. While he was in the bathroom stall, the truck driver was punched several times in the head before he lost consciousness. Brown and his accomplice stole $90 and a cell phone. The truck driver later told police that he believed that he was unconscious for about an hour after the assault. He was treated at a nearby hospital for a broken upper jaw, facial lacerations, and blood on the brain. The truck driver's wallet was later found discarded in a ditch by a local resident. Brown's DNA was found on both the wallet and the truck driver's clothing. Brown's accomplice isn't named in the court records. Brown is already serving a prison sentence for robbery by force in Milwaukee in 2018. There you go. Yeah, so he gets eight more months on top of that one. <coughs> Excuse me. Now the FMCSA waves the hours of service regs as Hurricane Dorian barrels down on Florida, but there are some strings attached. To this hours of service regs. This usually happens in cases of emergency with storms. As Florida braces for what could be a devastating hurricane, authorities have waived certain regulations for truckers hauling relief supplies. I'm saying that very slowly because it doesn't pertain to everybody It's going into Florida, only if you're hauling relief supplies. With Hurricane Dorian expected to reach the U.S. mainland, yesterday or today as of this recording, Governor Ron DeSantis issued an emergency declaration last week. One day after the emergency declaration was issued, FMCSA announced the suspension of certain regulations for drivers who are directly providing relief supplies in the following counties, Baker, Bradford, Brevard, Broward, Clay, Duval, Flagler, Glades, Hedry, Highlands, Indian River, Lake, Martin, Miami-Dade, Monroe, Nassau, Okeechobee, Orange, Osceola, Palm Beach, Putnam, Seminole, St. John's, St. Lucie, Volusia, and Union. The FMC and ne- e- FMCSA <coughs> notes that the emergency declaration applies to truckers who are providing Direct assistance for the immediate restoration of essential services or essential supplies, such as services would be electrical, water, sewer, and telecommunications, supplies or food, water, medical supplies, and fuel. Though the hours of service rules are suspended, the FMCSA driver says drivers may not operate if they are fatigued, ill, or in any way presenting a danger to others. Drivers are still required to comply with drug alcohol, hazardous material, size and weight, state and federal regs, and tax requirements. The emergency waiver will expire after 60 days. So if you're a gas tanker, if you're supplying water or emergency food or supplies, they're waiving the hours of service rags for those drivers and those drivers only. And a truck driver says his dispatcher forced him to drive on sleeping pills before a DUI arrest. Um, nobody shoved those pills down your throat, dude. You know, that's what I'm screaming. A truck driver who was arrested after he was reportedly driving recklessly says that he was forced by his supervisor to drive on sleeping medication. This happened last week, Wednesday. In Exeter Township, Pennsylvania. Police say they ref- received multiple calls about a tractor trailer, quote, swerving and narrowly missing vehicles as it headed north into the county. Callers said that the truck driver appeared to be falling asleep. They pulled him over on Route 422 and Lorand Road. During the stop, police said that 39 year old Maryland based truck driver, Brock P. Clatt B, Brock B, Claggett seemed to have trouble pulling off onto the shoulder. When he spoke with the officer, his speech was reportedly slurred and even dozed off while talking to police. Claggett told him that he had taken one in a fifth Ambien sleeping pill about three hours earlier in Baltimore, Maryland, because he had trouble sleeping. He also told police that he informed his dispatcher that he had taken the medication, but that the dispatcher insisted he deliver his load to a location in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Immediately, I would have said, uh-uh, no, no can do, dude. I'm taking my 10. Sorry. You can get that um, appointment rescheduled. Police say that Claggett fell asleep multiple times during a field sobriety test. Talk about a hazard on the road. After failing the field sobriety test, local news outlet reports that Claggett was transported to a nearby hospital where he refused them to draw blood. Claggett was charged with driving under the influence of drugs. Township police say a possible tragedy was avoided. So many families travel on Route 422. Today's a little bit safer. Well done. And well done to the people that called in on him as well. I mean, he may be serving, you know, Dewey, but at least he didn't kill anybody. You know, thank goodness for that. So when you see something, say something, report it. So FMCSA and other news exempts Transco from a 30-minute break rule. The FMCSA has granted a large grocery retailer an exemption from the 30-minute break requirement. Now, Transco is the parent company of McLean Food Service. On August 27th, they announced that they granted Transco's request They filed back in 2018 for exemption from the 30-minute break rule. However, the exemption simply allows trans drivers to comply with the 30-minute break requirement while performing on-duty, not-driving tasks like unloading, loading, fueling, that kind of thing. The FMCSA says that about 3,580 drivers who make wholesale deliveries to grocery and convenience stores will be eligible for this exemption. This exemption request, Transco told FMCSA that the drivers were at a decreased risk fatigue because they operate at lower speeds on local roads, make frequent stops, and have fixed driver schedules. The FMCSA notes that, in, quote, in most cases, Transco relies on team drivers who alternate during shift deliveries, total trip time averages 17.2 hours. However, total driving time for both drivers combined averages only 9.1 hours. Each driver spends, on average, only four and a half hours, or 32.5 percent of their shift, engaged in driving. "End quote." Transco argued that the 30-minute rest Break would actually decrease safety for their drivers and this exemption for them is good for up to five years now a city nicks truck parking on streets now they want to kick trucks out of a vacant uh, parking in vacant parking lots they're always on our asses about parking well provide us with some freaking parking you want to kick us out of the city limits all the time provide us with some freaking parking and it's not only the doggone containers there's also costco right there not that far away in illinois city recently voted to prevent trucks from parking on city streets now they've turned their attention to trucks parking in vacant lots of businesses that have been closed for years city officials at Joliet recently banned truck parking on city streets by officially eliminating a permit that they say no one had applied for in decades. The local news reports that the city only learned that truck parking was allowed in the first place when someone actually applied for the obscure 48-hour truck parking permit that would allow drivers to park on city streets with certain restrictions. Quote, apparently no one between 87 and now has asked for a permit background knowledge of the council and trucks we thought this probably is not the best thing end quote said city attorney martin shanahan now that the permit has been eliminated the joliet city council has reportedly turned its attention to the matter of semi-truck parking in the lots of shuttered stores in other words closed stores City council members say that they've noticed several trucks parking in the lots of former Sears and Kmart stores and that they'd like to take action. The former Kmart store has been closed since 2016 and the Sears shut down earlier this year. Council members say that they aren't sure who owns the parking lots, either Lewis Joliet Mall Management or Seritage Growth Properties, but that between the mall, Seritage and Sears, we should be able to find the truth there and get something done, end quote. Joliet is located in Will County, an area where the residents have loudly resisted the increase in truck traffic due to new intermodal facilities. And if, don't be throwing out your damn pee bottles. That's what screwed it up for the rest of us decent drivers. You know, you've got a garbage can 30 feet away, dump your damn piss bottles in the garbage can. Don't sand it out next to your goddamn truck. Don't be a freaking litter bug. And I'm not talking about to the good drivers that listen to my show. I'm talking about the jackasses out there that do this crap that may not listen to the show. But I'll get you guys one damn day because when I see it, you'll be damn sure that I'll say something to you about it. And I'll broadcast the crap live if I have to. Embarrass the hell out of you on my YouTube channel. Maybe the crap will stop. Anyway, I'm on a roll. Sorry, not in other news. I'm a bit salty today because of all the stuff happening with my recordings. But anyway, a California Highway Patrol officer pulled a driver in for a mud v- violation, but found out something way worse. And you can watch this in the video. A super tr- dump across the scales in s- the center. Um and an Hall was missing a mud flap. It was sent around to the static scale lane for the mud flap violation. While a driver was circling the building, two parties stopped to complain about the brake smoking. On the static scale lane, we contacted the driver. could smell a strong odor of brakes coming from the vehicle, although no smoke was observed. Um, in the static scale lane. The vehicle was sent to Bay 2 for inspection, and this is what the um, officer found. His whole wheel, steering wheel, is, he could shake it back and forth with his hand. It is shaking at least 6 to 12 inches back and forth, which means that whole front axle would have come off. The steer axle, driver side steer axle would have came completely apart if he didn't, if that officer didn't check that for brakes. Wow. Great find. That is a great find, officer. I will have to say that. Thank goodness, because he really saved somebody from really getting hurt. Now, speaking of getting hurt, I hate to report on this, but a truck driver faces homicide charges after an oversized load crushes a car. Ohio police say that a truck driver's been charged after the oversized load that he was hauling struck an overpass and then fell on top of a car, killing one person, early Friday August 30th about 1 30 in the morning. According to a report from their police department Cody D. Weathers was hauling heavy equipment far heavy farm equipment excuse me northbound on I-270 when the high load struck the Claycraft Road Bridge. The load fell off the truck and onto a car traveling behind the truck. Police say that they charged Weathers with aggravated vehicular homicide and Weathers was uninjured. That but thirty eight year old Mohammed. Mubaraka died as a result of the crash. Weathers was driving for DD&S Logistics out of Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, The local news reports that Weathers was operating outside of the provisions of the Ohio DOT special hauling permit, and he's being held in the Franklin County Jail. Northbound I-70 was closed for several hours as a result of this fatal accident, which as of this report, is I'm sure been reopened. Like I said, again, I'll repeat myself, you know, what is going on out here, you know? And last but not least, Heartland Express acquires Wisconsin carriers for $150 million. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of cash? Iowa-based trucking company Heartland Express announced the purchase of dry van truck locations truck load carrier Millis transfer out of Black River Falls, Wisconsin for approximately $150 million, including the payoff of assumed debt. The purchase was made entirely in cash except for $750,000 in Heartland stock. Millis employs approximately 840 drivers. In addition to acquiring Millis's Transfers 11 Terminals, I didn't realize they were that big. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. Heartland also acquired five Millis Training Institutes Low. Institute locations, excuse me, in Ohio, Georgia, Wisconsin, Texas, and North Carolina. Michael Gerdin, and it could be Gerdin, G-E-R-D-I-N, Chairman, President, and CEO of Heartland commented, quote, we are very pleased to welcome everyone at Millis to Heartland Express. We are impressed with the high quality of the driving professionals and the organization safety profile. In addition, the regional coverage, equipment, conservative and disciplined management style and culture are all very compatible with our approach. The current Millis family management team is over 113 years combined experience and will remain with the business in their current roles. We expect Millis to contribute to our ongoing success immediately and with opportunities for further improvement get even better over the long term. End quote. Millis leaders, David Millis, President, Steve Millis, CEO, COO and Dan Millis, VP of Compliance and Safety, also commented on the purchase, quote, From the first time we met Mike and some of his executives, we knew that this was the right decision for our drivers, employees, and the family, besides them making a buttload of money. We are very excited to continue providing the high quality of service that our customers have come to expect. We believe the current culture that was started by our father, Bill Millis, 35 years ago and still exists today will complement Heartland. We look forward to contributing and growing their business through our combined networks and customer relationships, end quote, besides making a buttload of money. This is not Heartland Express first major acquisition. The company acquired Tacoma, Washington based interstate distributor company for only 113 million in 2017. They also purchased Washington carrier Gordon Trucking for over 300 million in 2013. Millis Transfer is a third-generation dry-van truckload carrier founded in 1936 with primary areas of operation in the Midwest, eastern United States, and Texas. As always, I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who tune in each and every week to listen to me babble here on the cafe. <laughs> if you are new to the cafe and you would like to check us out, at the bottom of every podcast episode, that's on my website at juliestruckandcafe.com slash Category slash shows. There are links that I have listed on where you could find me, like iHeartRadio, YouTube, iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, and many more. If you're on Facebook, come on over and give us a like and, and join our discussion group at Julia's Truck at Cafe Regulars. On the website, I also share recipes under the cafe menu on cooking in your truck. And don't forget to visit our page of stupid stuff that drivers do something to give you a laugh if you're having a bad day. If you l- rather prefer email, please subscribe to our email list and I'll show you the, I'll send you I'll spit this out eventually. I will send you the show notes right to your inbox. This way you don't have to come back to the website, which I'm glad that you do, but you can view the articles right in the comfort of your truck or your house or anytime you like uh, in your inbox. And in future, if I have new things coming out, and if you're on my email list, you have priority in getting those new things that are in the works. I got some great ideas coming in the future, so you need to stay get on our email list or in the cafe regulars because that's where I post where the new things are coming in at. Before I forget, please feel free to leave a comment on the bottom of any episode that you listen to or on our Facebook page. I read each and every one. If you have an idea for an upcoming show, please feel free to email me. My email is info at com. That's info at juliestruckincafe.com. Please always stay safe out here. Please use your headlights. Leave enough room. Always use your turn signals. Come on, people. We're professionals out here. You should act like a professional. You know, get rid of the flip-flops and the shower shoes. Start wearing closed-in shoes. Start acting like a professional out here if you're not delivering or something like that. You know, if you're going into a store, don't forget, you're in between people. If you're in the comfort of your own truck, that's one thing. But when you go out into a truck stop, I don't want to smell your stinky feet. Or watch you hike up your dog on boxer shorts. Or your, your basketball shorts. Or your dog on britches because I'm looking at your underwear. You know, my kid learned how to hike up his britches when he was two. What about you?